Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right, College Basketball Dream Preview Edition. Brad Powers alongside A.J. Hoffman. Mackenzie Rivers in the house producing along with Matt Christensen. Before, as always, we get to the biggest games of the weekend, and we have some big ones, including the Big 12 SEC Challenge, the first Saturday without big-time football action, although I'm sure a few of you might be betting on the Pro Bowl a little bit. We'll get to all those big games in that challenge and some more, but before, as always, we always recap what we did the week prior, at least the first few days, and I'll leave it off. I'll start off with, AJ, who did have technically a winner with Alabama Vanderbilt under the total, but big line move in that one, AJ. Yeah, kind of a, a crazy line move. We we projected it at 162 on the podcast. I had a buy price for a best bet down to 159. Uh, it, it opened at 162, but someone who's got way more influence than us hammered it down and it ends up closing at 151 and a half, still under easily. So it was if you had an under, it should have been a winner. I actually went on the pregame forums and and suggested that maybe an alternative play would be the uh, the Vandy team total under, and that was well under as well. So lots of ways to make money on that game. Uh, hopefully everybody got their hands on some. That's AJ, who is now 4-2 and two on his best bets. Brad Bowers, 4-2 and two also on his best bets, but unfortunately a loser on Michigan the other night. Four and two loser Michigan. Again, we don't hide the losses here. We step up to it. Sleepy Jays, four and five. He did have a couple of losers. Uh, Eastern Michigan, BG Total, and Virginia Tech. McKenzie, NBA action. You got another NBA play coming our way? Oh, yeah. All right. You're three and one. Monster. You had a nice winner with the Clippers. And the star of the show so far for this season, the 2019 2020 college basketball season is none other than Dave Essler. Get this, guys. 6-0. and Perfect 6-0 and on best bets. Winner for Dave on Mississippi State. 6-0. and So if I'm doing my math correctly here, 4-2 AJ, 4-2 BP, 4-5 Sleepy, 6-0 and Dave Essler, 3-1 and McKenzie. That's 21-10, and 68%. Is that good? It's pretty good. Uh, if you listen to Twitter, it, it it's horrible. Me. I mean, you listen to Twitter, it's horrible because I mean, I mean, a couple losers this week. So I mean, it's just, I mean, the one guy tweeted out. I mean, they should be calling it the the nightmare, not the the dream preview, the nightmare preview. Ouch. Yeah, gotta love those. Gotta love Twitter. But twenty one and ten ain't bad. And you know what I did? I went back to last year. Nineteen and you 10. cried. Well, oh. no, no, no. Nineteen and ten <laughs> was the the stretch run there. So forty and twenty here on the college basketball dream preview. Not too bad. 67 percent too bad that'll make be you pro, money beat a beat a pro uh to be a pro 55 percent is all you need shout out to the guy that keeps the records he's been doing it for several years he's got every single record as far as the podcast whether it be college football college basketball the nfl uh cp uh haynes 78 so that's c-p-h-a-n-e-s 78 shout out to him on twitter he keeps track of all that keeps us in line all right without further ado that was the recap of 
what we did previously, we now start looking at what's ahead as far as this week in college basketball. Showtime! Woo! All right, let's start off Friday night action. Big East, Marquette at number 13, Butler. This will be interesting, I and mean, you'll kind of get into you know the different approaches to handicap. Butler will project it to be right around a six-point home favorite, total 138. This one tips 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern on FS1. I'll let A.J. lead the way here because he's got a like on the game. Go ahead, A.J. Yeah, I'm going to like Marquette, and I'm going to like the over. Uh, Butler is falling. They're, they're falling on hard times. They're now three straight losses. Uh, we thought, oh, what are, are they really going to lose three in a row? Well, they did. They got dominated by Villanova, who made 21-23 at the line. Butler, the third best scoring defense in the country, allowed another big game. They've given up 77 points per game in their last three. 50, that's 20 points more than their season average. Marquette's now won three straight after they started out one and three in conference play. Uh, one of the guys, one of the key guys for Butler during their early run was Sean McDermott. Just 24% from the field in this three-game losing streak. He's gone completely cold. Marcus Howard, on the other hand, not the case with him. Averaging 34 points per game in Big East play. Butler gave up 29 at home to Miles Powell, who's sort of a similar dominant scoring guard uh, when they played Seton Hall. Three straight overs for Marquette, four straight overs for Butler. Uh, if Butler's defense continues to be what it's been the last three games, I like the over and I like the Eagles here. You get agreement with me, and I think there's correlation here. If you're looking, if you're thinking Butler... Now, I could see some people looking at this. I mean, you're buying Butler low. Why? They're off three straight losses. While Marquette, you're probably selling them high. You're off three straight wins. But I think there's correlation here. If you're looking for Butler to bounce back, I think you got to go with the under. If you're on the Marquette side, then I think it's more the same for Butler defensively. And I think if you like Marquette, you also like the over here. I'm leaning towards the over. It's, it's close to a like for me. AJ mentioned it. What's gone wrong with Butler? It's been their defense. First 16 games of the season, Butler allowed 54 points per game and remarkably consistent. No team in those first 16 games topped more than 67. Last three games, every team scored at least 76 for Butler. So that's what's failed them. You mentioned Sean McDermott struggling. Let's just say uh, for our purposes, he gets out of that shooting slump and actually hit some shots here for Butler. That'll lead to more scoring for them offensively. Um, I'm not sure that they solved the, you know, if you're looking for a game that, you know, bounce out of the defensive doldrums, I don't think Marquette's the opponent you're looking for here, uh, especially when you look at three-point shooting offensively. Over's been the play for Marquette here the last 11 games. Nine and two is a run here. I'm leaning with the over here. And again, I think there's correlation, so I'll, I'll agree with A.J., if you're looking on the Marquette side, I think you got to go over. Any closing thoughts, AJ? No, man. That's what I got as well. All right. There will be some disagreement moving along here. And speaking of disagreement, we're going to go to Saturday action. Number 21, Illinois at Michigan, the team that I just lost my best bet on, will project the struggling Michigan Wolverines to be a three-point home favorite, total 139. This is an early start time, noon Eastern tip on FS1. AJ, no surprise, you like the Fighting Illini. Of course I do. And what we one thing we've seen is the Big Ten home dominance kind of <laughs> creeping back to the norm a little bit, right? When we're like, oh, you got to bet on this. It, the the road teams have started to do something. And Illinois is one of those teams. They've they've done a good job on the road 
already. But I mean, they won. They they've got road wins at Wisconsin and at Purdue, arguably the two toughest venues in the conference. And Michigan is just a mess. They're spiraling out of control. Lost four of the last five. They're three and eight against the spread since December first. After starting out five and two against the spread, their only covers: Iowa, UMass, Lowell, and Presbyterian. So they're not doing well when they get some good competition on the floor. Illinois, eight and two against the spread in their last ten. Beat Michigan by nine when Michigan was ranked fifth in the country uh, at Illinois. Coburn had 19 points. 10 rebounds, four blocks in that game. They didn't have an answer for him. Teske, who's just awful defensively, had no no way to stop him. And in the first matchup, this is the great thing about the first matchup, Illinois shot one of 11 from three. They lost the turnover battle 13 to eight, and they still dominated the mm. game, mostly because they dominated on the boards, 44 to 28. And another great thing, if you like Illinois here, in that first matchup, Michigan had Isaiah Livers on the floor and it's still highly unlikely he's going to play in this game, given he's yet to begin practicing. If he does, he'll be very limited. This is not a good team without Isaiah Livers on the floor. I think you're getting a gift here with plus three on Illinois. Mm, strong, strong handicap there for A.J. Hoffman, like Illinois. First, let's get this out of the way. This is what happened on Wednesday night with my best bet on Michigan. I cried. I'm not afraid to admit it. <laughs> I cried. Might be more of that going on here because I'm still going to lean with Michigan here. Uh, again, different thought process. Just a lean? Just a lean, not a like. Nah, not not a All like right. on this one because, I mean, the livers. Push that button, Brad. No, not going to because <laughs> I don't have confirmation on Isaiah, uh, on Isaiah Livers. Now, everything that I was reading early in the week, which kind of led to my best bet, was there was some optimism on Livers returning for Michigan. Wasn't the case, and now after reading – uh, after last night's recap against Penn State, doesn't look like they're too optimistic on him returning for this game. So that was that was one of the major reasons why I was looking to, to buy Michigan because they just haven't been very good without him. They're two and four without him. Here's why, and here's the different thought process coming in. I, I think see AJ likes to ride the hot team, and, and a lot of people do. I, I I, I could see why you got a team that's fading and a reason and a reasonable reason for why Michigan's fading is they're without one of their best players. So I understand it to me sooner or later, you're going to be start paying a premium on an Illinois team that obviously has won five straight and three straight losses for Michigan. So me, my handicapping philosophy, I'm thinking sooner or later there's going to be some, uh, a point of value on Michigan, not strong value here. That's why it's only a lean for me, but I do think Michigan when you look at the schedule, they played the much tougher schedule. They haven't necessarily been fortunate with that schedule. A lot of close losses for the Wolverines. So lean Michigan for me, minus three. Uh, not going to upgrade it to a like, so uh, I don't want any more tears shed on the Wolverines this week. AJ? I agree. It may it may start to get expensive on the uh, on, on the Illini, but, I mean, they're 3-3 three and three against the spread in, in their last six, mm. so like in, the, right. in their run of conference games. So, it's not like people are, are using them like an ATM, but, I mean, this is a team that I'm starting to think is maybe right behind Michigan State as the class of the Big Ten, and I, I've, I've been expecting it for a while, and it hasn't happened, hasn't You're happened. You're Mr. Brad now, Underwood. You were you said I really on this am. podcast last year that you would be looking to buy Illinois this year. Is that correct? That is correct. And I bought I, – listen, I bought them a couple times last year. Did me no good. And – but what Brad Underwood, like I said, he's changed his philosophy to fit the parts that he has. And he's using this pack line defense. 
and he's using his big men down low to score because he doesn't have great shooters on the outside. Uh, and, and really, since he's made this philosophical change, this team has just it, it done a 180, and they, they've been really consistently one of the better teams in a conference that had has had basically no consistency. Uh, real quick, let's update this Big Ten home, tr- home team trend. So as we're taping this on Thursday afternoon, well, let's just do pre-Brad Powers tweet and post-Brad Powers tweet on this trend. <laughs> so pre-Brad Powers tweeting this out, Big Ten home teams were 41-7 and seven straight up, 31-16 and 16 against the spread, 66% against the spread. That's Big Ten home teams in conference play, 66% against the spread. So what does old Brad Powers do on Tuesday? Hey, this is a big trend. You can't be betting Big Ten games without at least taking this under consideration. To me, it made sense. You got a lot of parity in the Big Ten this year, a lot of good teams, not a lot of great teams. In order to win on the road in conference play, sometimes it takes a great team to do it. We don't have that in the Big Ten. So Brad, pretty confidently, he tweets this out in front of the whole world. And since that tweet, Big Ten home teams against the spread, 0.0. 0. 0.0. 0-5. 0-5 against the spread. 0.0. Sometimes I hate life. So sometimes <laughs> that's, the way, that's the way it works out. And I don't necessarily think you're paying a premium. So I, it's not like I was seeing, at least in my power ranks and comparing to the Kempoms, the Sagarins of the world, to me it didn't look like you're paying big-time premiums on these home teams. So that's another reason why I tweeted it out. I thought there'd be some value. Obviously, I was wrong. Any closing thoughts, AJ? Well, again, Illinois three and one against the spread on the road in Big Ten play. And they're the one team they, that uh, consistently one, bucket. Yep, they have done it. And the, the one team that really just put it to them on the road was Michigan State. And Michigan State's the the one team in the Big Ten that I'm certain is is better than Illinois. Uh, they lost by one point at Maryland. Uh, and like I said, a, a not even a a close, I mean, a dominant win at Purdue, 79-62, and then winning at Wisconsin. I think that's no easy task. So this is the one team that has kind of bucked that trend, and, and now they're 6-2 and two in, in a conference where basically everybody's bunched in, in one little spot. Illinois starting to separate. That's A.J. Hoffman. You can follow him on Twitter, at A.J. is the real. I'm Brad Powers, Mackenzie Rivers, Matt Christensen, alongside our – here with us, I should say, for the college basketball dream preview. Let's move along to the Big East here. We're you got a pretty hot Villanova team. They're they're up to number nine in the polls. They're going to be at Providence. Villanova will project to be right around a two and a half point road favorite. Total in the one thirty five and a half range. This is the CBS tip time on Saturday afternoon, one o'clock Eastern. Disagreement here, and maybe we can talk ourselves into maybe a little bit bet of a bet here. Maybe we'll move on to another game as far as a bet, but I'm going to lean with Providence, the home dog here. And again, I think this is going to show you a little bit of the differences between how AJ attacks some of these games and how I do. I think you're buying Providence a little bit low, two straight losses for them on the road. They did cover against Creighton and I thought they had a pretty decent effort against one of the hottest teams in the entire country. That game pushed against Seton Hall. Meanwhile, on the other side, Villanova, red hot, 11-1 their last 12 games off a dominating performance over Butler, who we thought just a couple weeks ago might have been the best team in the Big East. No longer we feel that now. Um, Providence hasn't been necessarily over, overly fortunate. Again, I use this a lot, this metric, uh, according to Kempom. It's the luck factor. So it takes in 
What are your stats, your adjusted offensive and defensive stats, and what's your record and what should your record be? Providence ranks number 254 in that luck factor, which means they're below average when it comes to luck. Nova, same category, number 10. So that means Villanova's been very fortunate. I got the better defense. I'm catching points. I do worry and why it's not a like for me. It's just a lean on Providence. By far the weakest unit on the floor is going to be that Providence offense. Not very good as far as effective field goal percentage. So a lean for me on Providence. AJ, you disagree. I do disagree, and I think a lot of it is that the, the Nova is just so much better of a shooting team. Uh, effective field goal percentage, 57th in the country. Providence, 297th. Three-point percentage, Nova, 88th. Providence, 220th. Free throw percentage, 5th. Providence, 255th. I love getting the better free throw shooting team in a game lined inside mm, of possession too. Good point. Um, and Nova's covered three straight, won four straight in this series. Uh, in the 21 matchups in the Cooley Wright era, four and 17 straight up. And and honestly, in this case, Uh-oh. I mean, inside of possession, you're, you're basically asking Providence to to almost win the game. Uh, and the other thing, Providence, one of the great things about them, fourth best offensive rebounding team in the country. Nova top 10 and not allowing offensive rebounds. Providence also top 10 in the country in steals. Nova top 25 in the country in limiting turnovers. Everything that Nova or that, that Providence does well, Nova also does well. Uh, Providence is 250th in fouls per game at just under 19. Nova will kill you if you put them on the line. That's what they've been doing during this hot run. They keep getting put on the line, and they keep shooting 21 of 23 from the free throw line. If you put Villanova on the free throw line, they're going to beat you. I think Villanova beats Providence again. So I, I, I'm not I'm not crazy about this game because I actually like Providence. I, I was on Providence last night on that push with Seton Hall, uh, but I just I don't know if this team this this Villanova team right now I don't know if they're not turning into. Uh, what they usually are, and that's the best team in the Big East. They're they're starting to turn mm. that corner a little you bit. You take them over Seton Hall. No, I still like Seton Hall. I'm, I've right. got a, a crush on Seton Hall. Plus, I've got a future on Seton Hall, so I like them more. But uh, Villanova right behind them. I, I think that I think Villanova's passing Butler in the Big East power rankings for sure. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, especially with Villanova dominating uh, Butler the other night and. I was looking. I don't think we're going to get that Villanova Seton Hall matchup. We got to wait a few weeks down the road. That'll be very interesting uh, w- with that one. And I think, I mean, I don't think this Villanova team is as nearly as good of a shooting team from outside as what they were those couple of national championship winning teams. So I think that's kind of uh, a thing that separates that. I don't think they certainly have. Uh, if you're talking about a ceiling for this Villanova team, I think it's more of a Sweet 16 type of team instead of a Final Four. Uh, type of team. Uh, But I think they're sitting here in the top 10 because not a lot of teams out there have separated themselves. So in a year where there really are no elite teams in college basketball, even though if I was comparing this Villanova team to past editions and saying, yeah, I would say more sweet 16, I think it's just wide open. So maybe this Villanova team, if they finally uh, get get their outside shooting uh, from beyond the perimeter down, maybe they are capable of a final four run. I, I would say at this point, AJ, I, I could see 20 or 25 teams all, you know, being able to make a final four run. We just haven't seen any separation. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. I, I will say this about Providence. And, and if you remember Providence preseason where they were getting some love as maybe yep. a dark horse team in the big East. 
And uh, they started out six and six. I mean, everybody was disappointed. They got blown out by Florida, uh, blown out by Rhode Island. They had losses to College of Charleston, Long Beach, and Pennsylvania, three games back to back to back. So everybody was like, "Oh boy, this what, what were we thinking? Believing in this team?" And then they ran off four wins in a row. And I, I want you to think about this. With the exception of the Marquette win, which they, they beat Marquette by a point, that was a, a really solid win and still looks like a really solid win. The three wins that kind of got people back to believing in in Providence, Texas, Georgetown, and DePaul, when DePaul and Georgetown were both at, at their at their height. Mm, now, none of those wins really looks like an impressive win now. Uh, it, their other their other Big East win is against St. John's, and they've just got were not competitive at home against Butler. Not competitive against Seton. Well, I guess technically, sort of competitive against Seton Hall. Nine point game, but uh, I, I just, I just don't think this Providence team is as good as people thought it was preseason. That's why they're sitting at eleven and nine overall, four and three in conference. That's AJ Hoffman, Brad Powers, College Basketball Dream Preview. Moving along, and this will be the first game we get to as far as the Big Twelve SEC Challenge here. That'll be going down on Saturday, and it's a solid matchup. Probably the second, uh, Mart, the second best matchup on Saturday. 6 p.m. Eastern tip time on ESPN. You have number 15, Kentucky, at number 18, Texas Tech. Disagreement for me and AJ here. We'll see if we can upgrade and get a bet here because, yeah, I'm thinking about upgrading here, and I am going to start it off. I lean Texas Tech. Wow, what the hell? I like Texas Tech here, and I'll start it off. I think Kentucky's going to be one of the the, the squarest picks on Saturday because folks are going to want to bet Kentucky, why they're a known commodity and you're going to have a ton of people flooding the basketball market this weekend. Why? First Saturday, really, without significant football action, or at least the first weekend without significant football action, not counting the Pro Bowl. I think you got one of the bigger home games in the history of Texas Tech basketball, certainly non-conference-wise. you got a team that's you know coming off a national championship game appearance. you got a name-brand blue blood like Kentucky coming to town, both teams in the top 20. Now, Kentucky's been playing well. Uh, South Carolina buzzer beater. If that doesn't, you know, go against them, this is a Kentucky team that would be coming in this game with seven straight wins. But I think Texas Tech, and this is what I certainly failed in the handicap because I liked Texas Tech against TCU the other night. Maybe they were peeking ahead to this matchup a little bit with it being such a big home game for the Red Raiders. So I think we might be catching a little bit of value there. Uh, Kentucky's three-point shooting to go on the road in this kind of environment, which I think it'll be quite hostile. I just think it's a major question mark. They're well below average shooting from behind the arc. Add it all for me. I'm going to upgrade this. We'll see if I can bait AJ into a bet. I like Texas Tech. I'll lay the three here. We'll call project the total at 129.5. What say you? Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll take some action on that. I think what this boils down to is. Texas Tech has just been getting dominated in the post, and it's it's really fundamentally Chris Beard. It, it, obviously, he had to reconstruct this roster. Six players from an eight-man rotation gone from last year's team. It, the problem is he did not bring in a big, and it, he had a couple bigs on this team last year. Uh, Josh Mbala was one, and he was—I mean—he was a disaster on the floor. Six foot seven. He was a, the close for Texas Tech. He was a big man. Just did nothing for Texas Tech. He transfers to to Buffalo, and he's actually looks like a, a pretty nice player. Malik Indigo, who was in Texas Tech, Texas Tech for two years, just no consistency on the floor. They thought he was going to he's six foot eleven. They thought he'd blossom into a contributor. He was getting like five minutes per game, 
And during the offseason, he, he and Chris Beard both agreed, hey, this maybe isn't the right fit. So he goes to Rice. Guess what? Having a nice start, a nice season at Rice. Chris Beard was convinced that Yanni Wetzel was going to, to, to come play for him. Uh, the transfer from Vanderbilt, the grad transfer, didn't go. Went to, went to San Diego State instead, where he's obviously killing it for San Diego State. So he all all his plans on uh, on on a big man it, it didn't come through. It, none of them none of them ended up in, in Texas Tech and now they're just getting beat up in the post. Guess what Kentucky's got? Nick Richards, 6 foot 11, their leading scorer. He is going to be a major major problem for Texas Tech and they just they don't have enough size. Uh, Kentucky's won six of their last seven. Tech is is kind of going the other way. They've they've lost three of their last five, including a couple double digit losses. And I think maybe you're getting, in fact, a little bit of value on Kentucky because they lost a game to South Carolina that surprised a lot of people on a buzzer beater. That really that was a game that that they were in control of for almost the entirety of that game. So I, I'm gonna just roll with Kentucky being better than people or people uh, think of them right now. It feels like a close game. But I'll lean to the dog, especially with a, a total that's under 130 right now. Mm. Don't you? Th- do you agree with me? At least the people that are going to come in in the market on Saturday are going to see Kentucky as a dog against Texas Tech. Yeah, they saw them in a national championship game, but no question about it. Kentucky, the blue blood program, catching points, the higher ranked team. You don't think the public that uh, uh, the square side be on Kentucky? Oh, I'm sure it is the square side. Sometimes the square side has to win every once in a while, Brad. Yeah. Uh, I I hear you on that I'll, one. I'll <laughs> be I'll be on way. the square I'll be on the square side this time. About yeah, that. and I I'll be perfectly frank. I mean, this will be one of the few times I'm I'm kind of anti Kentucky because in my past three four years uh, of handicapping college basketball, this is, and look it looks like it yet again with Kentucky because I mean outside that buzzer beater, they're starting to kick it into a different gear. You got a very young roster, not as young as past editions, but. Calipari gets some peaking, uh, certainly late January and into February. Now, you know, the the, the success or, or lack thereof sometimes uh, in March leaves a little bit to be desired, certainly in the NCAA tournament for Kentucky. But uh, it, certainly uh, late January, February, th- this is usually when Calipari gets, uh, has things rolling. I, I do respect Chris Beard, certainly in my opinion, top five, top six coach in the country. Any closing thoughts on this one, AJ? No, but you, you mentioned that that Kentucky's got a, a team that's uh, it, that's almost always young. They they cycle through guys pretty fast. Remember, this Chris Beard team is pretty young too. This isn't the same team he had last year. There's a lot of new faces on this team. He's still trying to get his parts working into place. And if you're if you're buying this on you know what 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 you saw from Texas Tech last year, basically you're just buying the Chris the Chris Beard brand of basketball because this team it's nowhere near the same team. No question. Uh, about that and you know obviously that was an historic season last year for texas tech uh won't be the case this year uh, let's that'll be a safe prediction and go ahead and let's let's point out that i think both of us had this game as a lean we're, we're a little hungry for action on this podcast uh, don't don't take this as like oh these guys b- both love a side I, I don't love the side of kentucky i just i'd rather have the dog in a, in a game in a close game like this but i do think that kentucky does have some matchup problem or matchup edges in this game you bring up a good point there aj and i'll drive this home now i mean for those of you that want a ton of action then, then of course bet accordingly when it comes to the leans and the likes but if you're gonna bet anything on this podcast what we advertised at the start of the podcast was the best bet record 
And, and let's just when you got AJ Hoffman, Brad Powers, Sleepy J giving you a side in total, Dave Essler and McKenzie. I mean, that's quite a bit of action as far as bets. I mean, that's five yeah. different people giving you those will be the top. Those are the five bets you should be making because I'm getting a lot of criticism. And look, it's deserve it. I did not have a, co- a good college football season. College basketball so far has been hit, hit or miss. So I get all that. I deserve all that criticism. But when I'm taking criticism for a lean and AJ's like on the other side and I got to hear about, you know, you guys like this and that, please listen a little bit more carefully. Lean is like a pizza bet at most. Uh, we're covering these games because these are the biggest games. These are the isolated TV games. And we're starting to get a feel for these teams at this point. So pizza money, $20 type of bet. Uh, the best bets, obviously, those are the bets you should take more uh, uh, more seriously. So that's all. I'll get off my soapbox. A- any thoughts on that, AJ? No, I, I agree. I, I mean, this is uh, sometimes we're, we'll upgrade a like to a, or a lean to a like just so we can have a little action with each other. But, yep. yeah, not, not all of these are, are hammer plays. Please don't treat them as such. And let's move along to a, a, a red-hot team here. Again, speaking Two of red-hot red, teams. Yeah, a couple of them. And speaking of red-hot, Dave Essler's best bet coming up soon. Dave, 6-0, best bets. Number seven, Dayton at Richmond. We'll call Dayton a six-point road favorite, total 146. This one tips 6 o'clock Eastern. This one's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, we both agree on the same side here, but again, both leans here. I'll let you lead the way, AJ. Yeah, I, I lean with Richmond here. I, I'm only leaning because I, I've gotten in the way of this thing a couple times, this uh, th- this Dayton train, and basically every time I've been I, I've been left mushed. So I, I'm not in a hurry to say that they they can't cover this game against Richmond, but I do think Richmond or I, I think Dayton is getting a little bit pricey. Yeah. I, I think now it was a, it was a cute story early in the season with the with the hot start. Now we're hearing people talk about Dayton as a, as a possible Final Four team, uh, and rightfully so. They've got the best player in the country for my money, um, you know, with Obi Toppin. And Jalen Crutcher is about as an elite of a, of a complimentary player as, as you can find, but I think that is making them expensive. Uh, Dayton 6-0 and straight up, 4-2 and against the spread. Uh, in, in in Atlantic 10 team uh, play and both against the spread losses have come on the road. Uh, Richmond five and one straight up and against the spread in 18 a10 play and and the over in their games has only hit once. So I think for Richmond it's going to be key to keep this thing at a, at a lower scoring pace. And Dayton is statistically the best offense not only in the Atlantic 10 but in the country. Yep. Uh, Richmond's the second best offense in the Atlantic 10 though. They're right behind them. Dayton ranks number one in the country in effective field goal percentage. Two-point percentage, shooting percentage, shooting efficiency. Richmond, 14, 21st, 18th, and 11th nationally in those categories. So they're not far behind them. And Richmond shoots 9% better from the free throw line. If you're looking for a flaw in Dayton's game, not a great free throw shooting team. So I think Richmond getting six points here at home may be a little expensive. We saw St. Louis able to cover against Dayton just uh, last week. I think Richmond, another one of those top-tier Atlantic 10 teams behind Dayton, uh, that I think can give them some problems. I don't think Dayton's going to run the table for the rest of the season. I, I think this is one of the spots where they may be able to uh, to slip up. But like I said, I've gotten in, in front of this thing a couple times. It hasn't ended well for me. Forced to take a side here, it, it'd be the Spiders. Yeah, you get agreement from me. Let me just ask this, though. I, I don't get that, you know, how Dayton can be below average free throw shooting when they're so good two-point shooting. 
three-point shooting, effective field goal percentage, <laughs> like best in the country. And yet when you're standing there at the free throw line, can take your time, nobody's in your face or anything, you're below at. I just, how, how does that happen, man? I just. I don't know. They should have recruited you the free throw champion. No, I, those days are long gone. We'll see. We'll have to. No, you give me a month. I'll be fine. I can't. I can do it. Those the, those reflexes, those muscle reflexes will come back. Uh, yeah, I'm leaning with Richmond here, and you know I do have a couple concerns. Let me mention them. Richmond's poor on the glass, and it makes sense because they have one of the shortest lineups in all of college basketball. Six foot four is their average height, uh, and big reason why Richmond's number three thirty nine in offensive rebounding percentage. Uh, but they they don't need a lot of offensive rebounds. Why? Because they're so effective shooting it, whether it be the threes, uh, two-point shooting. You mentioned free throw shooting, and I think this is right in that sweet spot here where free throw shooting could play a difference. Any of these games that, that are relatively lined close or in that sweet spot where there might be some late-game fouling, I, I think Richmond here being number two in the country in free throw percentage, good positive for them. Dayton almost tripped up the other week against St. Louis. Newsflash, I think Richmond's a little bit better than St. Louis. So it's certainly... At least offensively, certainly. Oh, yeah, certainly offensively. And now you're starting to get to the point in the season where there's a little bit of pressure. You got Dayton now in the top 10 of the polls. Hell, Ken Palm's got him up to number four in his adjusted efficiency ranking. So now that, that noose might be getting a little tight around Dayton's neck. Lean for me for Richmond here, plus the six. Uh, and, you know, yeah, again, it, I'll tell you, and again, this is a line projection. This one's big for me. If, you know, that line, if you're starting to pay a little bit of a premium on date and, and the line comes, you know, north of seven, you know, seven, seven and a half, you could talk me into a like on Richmond. Uh, you, we, you mentioned that St. Louis game and yep. that game went to overtime. Dayton won 78-76 in overtime. St. Louis, 20 of 37 from the free throw line, 54%. Mm. Richmond will not leave those points on the table that that St. Louis left on the table. If St. Louis could hit free throw, and St. Louis the worst worst free throw shooting team in the Atlantic 10, one of the worst in the country. So it's not shocking that they did miss those free throws. Richmond will not miss those free throws. So in a close matchup on the road, uh, free throws become so important, and, and Richmond can make them. Excellent point from A.J. there on the free throw shooting and lack thereof of St. Louis. You can follow AJ on Twitter at AJ is the real. I'm going to get to you, Mackenzie, here in a little bit because I want to change it up and give a little NBA here just to mix things up. But first, we got to go to this game because we have not one but two. That's right, two best bets on this game. And usually because I'm the host, I like to think uh, I'm not a superstar, but I'd like to think one of the stars of the show, depending on how I'm running. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lead with me here as far as the best bet. I am going to lead with the star of the college basketball dream preview, at least so far this season. It is. He used to be Uncle Dave. Now he's Diamond Dave Esler. Six Rebranding. Yeah, 6-0 and on best bets. Been winning since Moses was in short pants. If it sounds like I'm you know, doing a little bit of hot dog in a grandstanding for him, I am. Guess who shows up for no reason at all to get his grandstanding and hot dogging in? You, man. But guess what? He has plenty of reasons. He has six of them, and we're going to the game of the day in college basketball on Saturday. It is none other than the number one team in the entire country, Baylor at Florida. Going to be a close line. We'll project it right around one and a half, total 129 and a half. Dave Esler, take it away, your best bet. Saturday night, Baylor at Florida. Game should go off close to a pick. 
Anytime I can get the Gators at home just to win, I'm going to take a hard look at it. The Bears win with defense, and against Florida on the road, I don't think that's going to be enough. And statistically, from an efficiency standpoint, these offenses are similar, but Florida has actually played the better non-conference schedule and overall. So you make the, the strength of schedule adjustment, and Baylor's offense takes a back seat. And it gets easier to see. Baylor likes to play offense under the basket. And since conference play started, and obviously their schedule got tougher, they're just shooting 44% two-pointers. Uh, Blackshear and Payne are just bigger than Vital and Gillespie. And Florida has actually improved statistically since conference play started. They're number one in both two-point and three-point shooting percentage in the SEC. That's just the reason that they're getting better. They start three sophomores and a freshman. Florida showed a ton of grit in that loss the other night at LSU on the road. So I don't think that's disheartening to them at all. Texas Tech pushed Baylor on the road. And for my money, Tech is really a poor man's Florida. Uh, The Gators just do it better. We were on Florida last weekend when they beat Auburn by 18 in Gainesville. And I'll be on them Saturday against Baylor just to win the game. Love me, the Gators. All right, Dave Esler going for seven. That's right, seven straight winners here on the College Basketball Dream Preview. And guess what? I you guess, hope he's right. Yeah, I, I do hope he's right, and let's hope he's right. You know what? I don't. I I'm, I like that I'm on the same side as Dave, a guy that's been red hot here. But I don't always like this because it puts obviously a little bit of pressure on that this game is probably going to be the most important game of this podcast. You know what they say? No pressure, no diamonds. There you go. Diamond like, Dave. Yeah, you, Diamond Dave brings it all together. Brings it all together. He does. If I were RJ, though, I would accuse you of stealing this play from Dave. Oh, yeah, he did. He, did. he hasn't what? done that uh, much this year. He thought I was stealing a lot of Fez's information, but I started sending my information prior to, to Mr. Steve Fezzik when it came to the NFL, and th- those assumptions uh, kind of went away. So That's good. That, that is good. Uh, best bet for me, same game, same team. Here we go. And I'm not even going to talk matchup here. I'm just going to talk theory because this is kind of more of a theory play for me because I think this weekend is very unique when it comes to college basketball. And I've mentioned it kind of already a, a few times. This will be the first weekend where college basketball starts to to come to the forefront of, of betters' minds. Why? There, there's no significant football for the first time since August this weekend. So that's number one. Number two, why I think Baylor, that's right, Baylor will be the squarest pick of the entire weekend, is this phenomenon I see a lot in college basketball. And it's usually the team that's ranked or highly ranked against a team that's unranked. And the line is either having the unranked team favored or it's a very, very short number for the highly ranked team. And I think that'll be the case here. You got a number one team in the entire country, Baylor. One loss, 15 straight wins for the Bears. And they're going to be laying right around a bucket or less here. My buy price is anywhere from pick them, plus one, plus two, you name it. As long as you're getting at least a pick them game here, I think Florida wins the game. So that's my buy price here. And I think what's going to happen here is, you know, I think the pressure might start to get to Baylor. We actually might have already seen it a little bit in their first game as the number one team in the country where 
you know, they had a very close result where Oklahoma shooting at the end to, to possibly tie or go up in the final seconds of that one. Baylor holds on despite being a big favorite against Oklahoma on Monday night. This is a Baylor program that's not used to being number one. It's only the second time in school history. We've already seen a lot of parity in college basketball this season. I'll pound my fist. There are no elite teams in college basketball this season. Already seven different number ones. Tied for the most ever, and we still got two months left. And again, Baylor, to me, a lot of distractions here. This is the primetime game on ESPN. Florida, in my opinion, has played the best. They have played the tougher schedule. Baylor's been kind of fortunate this season as far as that luck category. If you ask any Joe Blow on the street, and he's going to see number one Baylor, and uh, he's going to see them laying one, one and a half, two. You know he's going to want to bet that team against an unranked, against an unranked Florida, unranked yeah. Florida with six losses, twelve and six. All right, you can be with the you know Freddie Fanny Pack on Fremont Street eating a you know a, a corn dog on a stick, or you can be a little bit sharper and hopefully a winner, especially with Dave Esler who's six and zero. Oh. I'm taking the Gators plus the one and a half. That'll be the line projection here. Plus one and a half, Florida's best bet. What say you, AJ? Uh, you're going to get agreement from me. I'm a like on Florida. I'm not as heavy as you guys are. There's a little bit that worries me about it. And, and what's that? It's that Baylor's played four true road games, and they've been impressive. This Well, this will be their fourth true road game. 3-0 and straight up and against the spread. And we're not talking about just any old average wins. They've got straight up wins at Texas Tech and at Kansas. Yep. So they can go on the road and, and get big wins. But Florida, they've lost just once on their home floor. It was the second game of the season against Florida State, who turns out Florida State's the best team in the ACC. They're pretty good. Uh, they beat Auburn by 22 at home last week. Yep. This It's going to be a slow, grinding game. Um, you know, Baylor's played four of their last five games to the under. I imagine this one, I probably lean the under on this one. A lot of it comes back to my preseason projections. And, and Florida was a... a Real like a Final Four type team for me preseason. I really like this really? team coming into the year, and they've disappointed me. But I still see the upside with these guys. I think Baylor's good. I'm just not buying into them being the best team in the country. And it, it, it for those of you who listened last week, Brad finally got me on one of our crossfires on maybe the most BS ending to a game in that <laughs> LSU Florida game. Yeah. Uh, but but a, uh, a a nice little win for him. But. Uh, Florida losing at LSU. I, 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 we might even see we may even see a better number if you wait on I this agree. thing. I, I think we're probably going to see two, maybe even three points with Florida here. And if we do, I'm, I'm really going to like this game. I agree with that. So I mean, if you're looking to bet the overnights on this one, I, usually I would say, hey, when when you have, uh, in at least in my opinion, the sharper dog, I, I would say you know the sharper guys are actually you know going to fire away on the overnights. This is one where I think the public's going to get involved. It's the biggest game on the first Saturday without significant football. It's a later start time. It's ESPN, the number one team in the country. This is one line where maybe the public can have a say, and certainly I think the public's going to want to lay a very short number with the number one team in the country against an unranked team. So, yeah, and this is one where I say wait. You might get a better number on Florida. Again, anything pick or better it is uh, you know, preferred price for me uh, on Florida. Any closing thoughts on this one, AJ? Nope, that's all I got. I hope I hope it's a. I know this is going to probably be the most bet game off our podcast, so I hope it does well. Yeah, <laughs> cross my fingers. Double best bet with an extra like. Oy. Double best bet. I mean, for the reason alone, of Dave's six and zero on best bets. You know, it's going to be heavily bet on that one. I'm going to switch it up here. So here's what we got left. We got Notre Dame, Florida State. 
We got a best bet from AJ. He's going way off the board on this one. That's to an old to an old friend. Yeah, to an old friend. He already won with this already this year on the podcast. And Sleepy J has a best bet side and total same game. But before we get to those three games, I'm gonna switch it up as far as the voice here. I'm sure people are probably getting tired of listening to me right now. So let's go to Mackenzie Rivers. Let's switch it up. Go to the NBA here. Mackenzie, you're three and one on your bet so far. I like it. Where where are we going at on this on this one? Thank you, Brad. Appreciate it. We are going to the Denver Nuggets tomorrow night. So that'd be a Friday, plus two and a half at New Orleans. Now, I don't know how many of you saw it, but if the ratings are any indication, a lot of people saw Zion's incredible debut last night. He had four threes, more than he ever did in college. He scored 17 straight points in the fourth quarter. But he didn't play any defense, and they didn't care. The whole game, you look at Twitter, you look at the analysts, people watching, he just stood around. In fact, during his 17-point streak, the Spurs got four layups. They didn't even lose the lead because they were able to score so easily against Zion Williamson. I think Zion has the tools to be a great defender, but it's just not a priority right now. The Pelicans want the headlines. They want the box office. They want him hitting threes. They want him dunking. They don't really, they don't really want him to spend too much energy on defense, and I think we saw that in game one. I expect to see that in game two, especially against a Denver Nuggets team that has a very sophisticated passing game. They're fifth in, they're fifth in the league in points in the paint, and I love Nikola Jokic's savviness against Zion Williams' inexperience. I think it's going to be, um, you know, I, I say this every time, but I really give my best bet is what I believe. I think this is going to be an easy game for the Denver Nuggets. They're getting points. I think they win by 10 or 15. Love this play. Denver Nuggets plus two and a half tomorrow night at New Orleans. But you're happy if they lose by one or two, right? Yeah, I'm thrilled. Still cash the ticket. I am why thrilled. Not, why not the over as well? If you know, major part of your handicap being, you know, the, the Pelicans don't care. Great point. That might be an interesting parlay, especially because uh, the Spurs game was one of the highest totals of the season. You mentioned that yesterday during our pre-show meeting, and it flew over the total. So I think we might see the same thing. I think it only that total being very high, it only went over by about a half point. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, over, you're right. I assumed it flew over the total because they scored so many points. Yeah, so they scored, this is the Spurs and the Pelicans scored a combined 238. And now the over in Pelicans games, and don't rely, I'm not an NBA expert, until I don't really focus on the NBA until the playoffs, but how about this run on the over in New Orleans Pelicans games? This is even prior to Zion getting there, 11-0-1 to the over. So there's my NBA wow. trend, of, trend of the week. AJ, yeah, sprinkle a little on I mean, a parlay over in the, the uh, Nuggets. You're, you're down in I that neck we, of the woods. What do you think of this? I, I think for a while we may get some inflated numbers on Zion. I, I thought agree. the first game, him coming out as a four-and-a-half-point favorite, was was a little crazy. I don't bet the NBA, so I, I I didn't put anything down on it. But it was the first time I've thought all year long, man, maybe I should throw a little on an NBA game with Zion getting so much love. Uh, my only concern will be the, the Rockets just – I mean, the Rockets are uh, as Jekyll and Hyde as you can get, but they just housed this Nuggets team, and I know Michael Porter didn't play. I think there were a couple other guys sitting out, so I don't know what the health situation is like for Denver right now. Uh, That concerns me a little, but I just think Denver's a a much better team than the Pelicans. All right, that's AJ. Best bet again from McKenzie. This is Friday night NBA action. He's taking the Nuggets plus 2.5, and and I got to say, I don't disagree. I I think you can get some value fading Zion at this point. Let's go back to college basketball. Great job, McKenzie. And I'm just going to tell you, from one semi-pro to an aspiring semi-pro, you're getting better on those handicaps, bud. Keep it up. Uh, Appreciate it. 
at least presentation. Handicaps is all about the wins and losses. doesn't matter. I mean, according to Twitter, you can just go on there and say, you know, well, why do you like this team? I don't know. I just like them. Uh, Denver plus two and a half. And if they win, They're oh, this guy's the smartest guy in the world. They lose. Oh, my God. That guy sucks. So make sure you're paying attention to the actual handicap. Let's talk about a handicap. Back to college hoops. Fighting Irish and Notre Dame off a, another close game. A loss to Syracuse. They're at number five, Florida State, on Saturday night on the ACC Network. Tips at 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll call Florida State. We'll project it. Double-digit favorite. 10-point home favorite for the Knowles here. Total 140. Disagreement again. Maybe I can get AJ on this one. You are on the home favorite here. You like the Knowles. Are you lean with the Knowles? Well, I... I lean the Knowles. Yeah, I, this is a this is a tough one for me. I just we haven't talked about Florida State, and I mentioned I think they're the best team in the ACC. Obviously, a down ACC, but they're they're running through it, uh, and, and I think that they're really impressive. A deep team, uh, really athletic. Got a lot to like about that team. I like their coach. Uh, I didn't think I liked them before. He's 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 grown on me. Hamilton has, and and they've really played well. Uh, Notre Dame, eh, two and five straight up against the spread in ACC play. They've lost outright to three of the worst teams in the conference in Boston College, Georgia Tech, and North Carolina. They played a similar opponent to Florida State, uh, at least stylistically, statistically, Maryland, and just got destroyed in that game. In conference play, Florida State, second best in the ACC in effective field goal percentage. Uh, Notre Dame, 15th in effective field goal percentage allowed. Florida State, third in three-point percentage. Notre Dame, 15th in three-pointer percentage allowed. And then second for Florida State in offensive rebound percentage, Notre Dame 11th in offensive rebounds allowed. So just a lot of matchup issues I see here for, for Notre Dame. They have done a good job of keeping games close. Yep. I'll give them that. But they haven't played a team nearly like Florida State yet, particularly on the road. I think this is a next-level challenge for a, what I think is really, uh, quite frankly, a bad Notre Dame team. So I, I lean to the Knolls here. The number's a little too big for me to want to make it a like. Yeah, I'm leaning with the Irish here. I hear you. It is. I I don't know if it's a bad Notre Dame team. They haven't been actually very good the last couple of years. Well, it's uh, not I, a tournament team. No, oh, no question. It's not a tournament team. And I don't know. Maybe Mike Bray after those back-to-back Elite Eight, uh, you know, performances there in 2015 and 2016. And when you're at Notre Dame, I, I just, I mean, it, mm, looks like it's almost the twilight of uh, Bray's tenure there. Uh, he's been there almost two decades now uh, in South Bend. Here's what I do see. You mentioned the close games. I mean, five straight games decided by five points or less. Tough to get margin on the Irish. Why? They don't turn it over. They're number one in the country in turnover percentage on offense, meaning they don't turn it over. They're number one as far as turnover percentage, the fewest in the entire country. So that's one reason why you can't get margin on them. You know, Florida State, as good as they are, and I think I'd still take Duke on a neutral court, Florida State, particularly in March. Over them, but we'll see. Maybe we see it in the ACC tournament. They've been one of the more fortunate teams in the country. 16-1 in their last 17 games, but they're 6-0 in games decided by six points or less. They're coming off two straight close wins for me. The reason it's not a like on Notre Dame for me, I mentioned all the close wins that they've been playing, no matter who they've been playing, home or away, been relatively close to the vest. It does concern me that they're not a very deep team. Notre Dame's number 303 in the country in bench minutes. And maybe sooner or later, that's going to catch up to him here. That's why it's only a lean for the Fighting Irish for me. You're not going to bait me into upgrading this to like. So no bet for me. Uh, but I'm glad we got a chance to talk. We haven't talked to neither of these teams yet so far this season. So I'm glad you included this one, AJ. Any closing thoughts? 
Nope, all I got on them. All right, we're up in the ante here. We got two games left, two best bets. Actually, three best bets. Sleepy's got two best bets in the same game. So let's go to my girl here. All right, I'm going to first go to AJ, who cashed with this team earlier this season. You're going right back to him. It's Cal Baptist. Tell me why that's the best bet for you on Saturday. One of the most undervalued teams in the country, in my opinion. And I I think they're, without question, the second best team in the WAC behind New Mexico State, who just lost their leading scorer. So that gap might be closing, too. Uh, But I think they've been undervalued all year. They're 12-4 and against the spread overall. 10-1 Ten and one against the spread in their last eleven, including three straight up wins as a dog. They're five and one against the spread when they're favored by nine plus. They were favored by twenty six last night. They won by thirty three. So they they're not having a problem covering these big numbers. They are one of the best offensive teams in the WAC, uh, and, and really have become one of the best defensive teams in the conference since uh, conference play started up. The Kangaroos, on the other hand, they're kind of going the other way. They've lost four straight. Uh, they're one and six on the road this season, two and four against the spread this season when they're a dog of nine points or more. And that's the number we project this at, Cal Baptist minus nine. Cal Baptist, one of the top three shoot, three-point shooting teams in the country. UMKC, 197th in three-point percentage allowed. There's just too much guard play on the floor here with Milana Quad, but last season's WAC Player of the Year, Ferran Flavors Jr. and Brandon Boyd. It's going to be an up-and-down game. I don't think UMKC has the bodies to match up with, especially on a tough road trip, and the Kangaroos have just been bad on the road altogether. I think Cal Baptist continues to roll. They've got a ton of momentum right now, and really – because they cannot play in the postseason, they're still not eligible since they've moved up to D1. Winning all these games is so is such a big deal to them. Every 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 game that they play is is a, is basically a tournament game to them. They want to they want to build this program up as much as they can while they're ineligible to make the tournament. So hopefully by the time they are eligible, they've got a reasonable team to uh to take that way. So I like what Cal Baptist is doing here. I like their coach. I like their players. I, I, I'm really excited about this team. So I, my best bet again, and we won with them la- uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm going to ride them again. Cal Baptist minus nine. And your buy price for that one? Uh, probably I'll go to eleven. Okay. Shouldn't be much more than that. All right. At least I, I mean, if it cha- if this line moves ten points, it's going to be a total pass for me. <laughs> you think? I like your total. Yeah, you've been on top yeah, of it. Yeah. I, I, I'll give you that uh, on this one. Cal Baptist from AJ Hoffman. One more best bet for Sleepy J and a team that's been in the news all week. Sleepy, your best bet for Kansas Tennessee is. Guys, I'm going with the Kansas Jayhawks on Saturday as my best bet. My buy price is going to be right around minus 12, 12 and a half. But guys, I think this number actually is going to come in slightly lower than most people would think. Reason being, I think the books might actually forecast anti-Kansas money here. And I'm going the other way. And my gut feeling tells me that this line comes out somewhere around 9. And I think these sports books might actually try to protect themselves against anti-Kansas money. Reason being... We just saw on national TV a couple of days ago, Kansas involved in a massive brawl. The big story was, you know, players suspended. 
etc., etc., and it really wasn't a good look for Kansas. And when the betters see that information, especially the suspensions, they automatically think that this Kansas Jayhawk team is going to be shorthanded. The fact of the matter is, these Kansas players that were suspended, they're coming off the bench, guys. They're not worth anything. Have they played good in some games? Yeah, and they were the games that Kansas was up, you know, by 30, 40 points where they came in. They got their cameos or they got extended minutes and they put up some decent numbers. But these two guys that were suspended for Kansas are not worth anything to the betting line. And I think the public may overreact and usually the public does. And this is a marquee game. So we can expect a lot of money coming in. And when the sportsbooks are trying to protect against one side or the other, this is certainly a number that I believe will come out slightly lower than what most people would project. Now, the basis for my handicap here is going to be mostly situational, not statistical. But I do have some stats that I actually like for this game. Let's just put ourselves in the player's shoes for a minute. You know, these players, when that melee occurred for Kansas... Uh, they all left the bench, and in the NBA, we know what happens. You get suspended if you leave the bench and end up going to try to break up a fight or whatever the case might be. So I could imagine that a lot of the players right now with Bill Self are probably in some type of hot water. And we've all been in that situation before at work where, you know, maybe we didn't do the greatest job that day or, or we slept in or, or we made some type of a mistake and our boss looked at us and we were like, uh-oh, I'm kind of in hot water here. Maybe I should go ahead and straighten out. And maybe we went home and, and we thought about it and we came to work the next day and we were crossing our T's, dotting our I's, make sure everything was solid. We did the best that we could. We did extra work. And in return, you know, we looked good that day and we kind of took that, you know, bad day and we got it out of the way and we put it under the rug. And I think that's what Kansas is going to try to do here. And I think that's probably what Bill Self um, is kind of probably going into this game thinking is, you know, these guys better show up. They better quiet down all this nonsense that's been going on. We already got two players suspended. You know, I kind of got off the hook. You know, coaches could get fired for certain things. And, and that's certainly one thing is that, you know, you can't control your players. You know, why are you in charge of, you know, controlling our guys? So uh, it's just one of, the, one of the things that I think that will show up in this game is Kansas is going to come in here very, very focused and very motivated to kind of proof to the coach and proof to everybody that saw them on national TV that, you know, that that's not the team that they are. And I think that that is going to, in return, provide us with a really strong effort from Kansas here. Statistically, you know, Kansas can score. They can play defense, rank 59th in the nation in offensive scoring and 15th in defensive scoring. Really solid team overall, Kansas. But here's the problem with Tennessee. You know, they can't score. They rank 296 in the nation in offensive points per game. And when you're going on the road against a team like Kansas, who I know they will be dialed in here, you have to be able to put points up on the board. And another thing that Tennessee really doesn't do all that well, they don't create turnovers. So as far as like, you know, the, trying to pick up with the margin and trying to go ahead and cut the margin down, you know, you need to be able to create turnovers. And Tennessee just doesn't do enough of that for me to think, you know, if, if they are down by a decent amount, that they can't just go ahead and sneak back into this game. Another thing that, you know, Tennessee just doesn't do either. And when you're down, you have to be able to do it. You have to be able to shoot threes. And Tennessee's overall three-point percentage is 298th in the nation. That's just not enough. So if you're not creating turnovers and you can't shoot threes and your offense just doesn't score enough, boy, I'll tell you, going on the road with those stats, 
and the situational stuff that I talked about, it really puts me on Kansas here. I like Kansas, guys. I think this line comes out somewhere around 9. It's power rated somewhere around 12.5, but I would actually play this one. Kansas minus 13 would be my ultimate closing buy price. So that's going to be my best bet, guys, for Saturday, Kansas Jayhawks. All right, that is Sleepy J with a best bet on Kansas without a couple of key players. Nah, I wouldn't say key. Rotation, guys, let's put it that way. Real quick, AJ, because you're, I mean, it's not like you're an afternoon drive time host in one of the largest radio markets in the entire country, but what was your talk show take uh, on that Kansas-Kansas State uh, brawl? Uh, I thought it was silly. Uh, I I thought it was in a game that was just, you know, a total blowout for guys, and not that the guys that got suspended were necessarily like key cogs for Kansas, but you would think Kansas would have enough sense uh, that they wouldn't get involved in something. Like, they're playing for so much more than Kansas State is, and and really it's just, I I guess it's just a, you know, a a way of, they were trying to punk out Kansas State, you know, tempers flared, but, I mean, you get to picking up stools and things like that, and you turn into a pro wrestling contest, that's, that's just out of control for a team it's really, I mean, got to be one of the favorites to win the national championship. The last thing they need is for guys to start getting suspended. Just a, a, a really just a silly situation overall. That's AJ Hoffman. You can follow him on Twitter at AJ is the real. You can follow me, Brad Powers, on Twitter at Brad Powers Seven for Mackenzie Rivers for Matt Christensen. Unless AJ Hoffman's got some closing thoughts, that's going to do it here. Got as far, it. You got it. No, I got nothing, man. Let's All get right. out of here. That's going to do it then. College basketball dream preview again. Let's recap the best bets just in case you missed it. Cal Baptist for A.J. Hoffman. Kansas and the over in the Kansas-Tennessee game for Sleepy J. Florida, best bet for Brad Powers. More importantly, best bet for Diamond Day, Mr. 6-0. Florida, best bet. Guys, that'll do it. We'll talk to you guys early next week on Monday. Take care and enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.